Welcome into the New Orleans Saints podcast, presented by SeatGeek. You'll hear from players, coaches, broadcasters, and writers that cover the NFL on a daily basis. The New Orleans Saints podcast starts right now. Here's your host, Aaron Summers. Welcome into the New Orleans Saints podcast presented by SeatGeek. I'm your host, Aaron Summers. We have a two-guest podcast today as we get some insight on the NFL Combine from Indianapolis and check in with one of our local businesses, CCI Imaging, on their rebrand and expansion of their company to CCI Productions. CEO Arthur Boafontaine joins me in the studio in a bit. First, let's talk some football. The NFL Combine is taking place this week in Indianapolis. The Saints will be on hand to watch some of the upcoming talent. And with free agency just around the corner, there should be a lot of news coming out for all teams over the next few weeks. To help break down free agency, the NFL Combine and the HBCU Combine slash Legacy Bowl, which was just here in New Orleans this past week, let's bring in NFL Network analyst Bucky Brooks. Bucky, thank you so much for joining me on the New Orleans Saints podcast. I appreciate you. I know you just touched down in Indy, ready for the NFL Combine. How are you doing? What are you looking forward to about being there? I mean, like, this is a big week. It's a big week because this kind of serves as the unofficial football convention for the National Football League. So it's a great chance to not only see all the players that can participate in the Combine, it's a chance to catch up with coaches and executives and just kind of see what's going on in the league. Uh, this is the only time that everyone is kind of in the same place. Uh, so it'll be a good time. It'll be a good time to do some work, do a little socializing, kind of figure out what's going on. There should be a lot of news that takes place throughout this week, not only with the players that are participating in the combine, but free agency is just around the corner starting on March 15th. What are some of the biggest storylines that you're following in the free agency market? Well, obviously, everything starts with the quarterbacks. And so the storylines center around those. Number one, what's going on with Aaron Rodgers now that he's out of his dark retreat? Like he's come up and Mm -hmm. is he going to decide that he wants to play with the Packers? Does he want to go elsewhere? How does that shift the quarterback market? Uh, The second thing is what's going on with Lamar Jackson? Uh, What would the Baltimore Ravens do? The deadline for the franchise tag is March 7th. And so they have to make a decision whether they want to tag him. Are they going to let him go completely? If they do issue a tag, is that an exclusive tag where he's only able to negotiate with them? Or is it a non-exclusive tag that comes at a lower number and he's free to come and negotiate a deal with another team and then the Ravens have the opportunity to match? And so as those two quarterbacks go, it then will set the dominoes for some of the other quarterbacks that are of interest, namely Derek Carr and Jimmy Garoppolo. And so a lot of the conversation, a lot of the intrigue will start with those guys. And then it did kind of span and go elsewhere. But it's really about Aaron Rodgers and Lamar Jackson. That's kind of the buzz of the town right now. I know you spoke with the Saints quarterback, Jameis Winston, at the HBCU Legacy Bowl. He currently is under contract with the Saints. The Saints are a popular name out there when it comes to quarterback for next season. What are your initial thoughts about what they may do? Well, I mean, I don't expect Jameis Winston to be there. Uh, like, whenever they can release him, I expect him to probably be releasing here, hit the market. Uh, it's, a, it's obvious that Dennis Allen and the franchise appears to want to reset at the quarterback position. So the name that has been out there, Derek Carr certainly made a visit uh, a little bit ago. He has a history with Dennis Allen. Uh, so there appears to be um, that relationship, and it would make sense for a few different reasons. One, because the coach and the quarterback, they know each other. 
the quarterback would step into a situation where he has weapons around him. He has playmakers that are already there. Uh, he should be able to have a level of success immediately. And look, this division is still wide open. And so if you're able to secure a quarterback, um, continue to get the kind of play that you've gotten from the defense in the past to go with the offense, yeah, the Saints could be right in place. So I think he is number one at the top of the list. It's just a matter of working the deal. How much money did Jerry Carr want? How much money are the Saints willing to allocate for that position? That's really the conversation. It seems like a lot of teams are starting to turn the page to try to find that new young quarterback. Obviously, the Falcons just let go Marcus Mariota. And then you have you know Carson Wentz leaving in Washington. There's a, a, a lot of changeover right now at that position. Where do you think we're going to be at in the next couple of years? Well, I mean, we're, we're, we're moving into a new era. A uh, new generation of young quarterbacks are taking over. And if you do not have a quarterback that can compete with those guys, you're going to have a hard time winning. And so when you think of, like, the new guard at the quarterback position, Patrick Mahomes, Joe Burrow, Josh Allen, uh, Justin Herbert is in that conversation. And then now you have to talk about Jalen Hurts based on the way that he played last year and the way that he performed in the Super Bowl. And so now when you're evaluating the quarterback position, you have to, in some way, compare what you have to those guys. And if you get caught up in a shootout, can your quarterback help you navigate past those guys that we talked about? The good thing about where the Saints are, the Saints are in a conference where you don't really have those young quarterbacks. Like I only mentioned Jalen Hurts. The rest of the quarterbacks in the league, you have Aaron Rodgers, who we don't even know if he'll be in the conference because he may leave Green Bay. And then you have good quarterbacks, but you don't have those young risers right now. So this is a good opportunity for, if you're the Saints, if you find the right quarterback, you vault back to the top of the list. And so the decision that they made with the quarterback in the offseason um, will play a huge role in determining whether they're able to get back into title contention. You were in New Orleans this past week with the HBCU Legacy Bowl, the combine that they had, the career fair what did you take away from that event or any players that stood out to you? Uh, one thing, the, the event is big. The event is big because what you're trying to do is increase the pipeline from HBCUs, historically black colleges and universities, and the National Football League. Going back decades, I mean, the league was plentiful. It was, it was, it was full of players that came from Grambling and Southern and Jackson State and some of the other prominent HBCUs. And so that had fallen off in recent years. And so the initiative of the league was to create a platform for these players to be seen. Um, and so the HBCU Legacy Bowl, the HBCU Combine, all those things kind of served to give these guys an opportunity to be seen by scouts and executives and coaches over the course of the week, while also having the backdrop of a career fair that really had a lot of interest. It was well attended. Mm -hmm. We had a lot of companies come down and, you know, interview and take resumes and network and meet uh, with a lot of HBCU alums or soon-to-be alums. So it was a great week. It's something that was desperately needed. And then on the field, you had some some players who will have an opportunity to extend their careers. Uh, will I say there, there, there weren't any, like, of the best HBCU players there, meaning Isaiah Land wasn't there. He's a guy that'll be at the combine who will have a chance to get drafted. But some of the other notables, Xavier Smith, He'll have an opportunity. Joshua Pryor will have an opportunity to maybe be a draftable pick. So it was a chance for these guys to have an opportunity to enhance their status, to be seen, and to be talked about in meeting rooms uh, down the line when it comes to which prospects deserve to be seen. How valuable is your performance at a combine versus your body of work? 
you know, it's it's a big part of the puzzle, uh, much like um, like a regular interview. Like it, it's it's a small piece. It's not the end all be all, but you have to put it up uh, on tape. You know you, how you perform, how you play. All those things really matter more so than what you do at a combine. But the combine is a really important part of the interview process because you get to know the player. Uh, you get a chance to get some of the testing and stuff done on the player. And so when you go back to talk to the team and you're having your meetings, you get to put together the entire profile of what a player is, not only as a performer, but what is he going to be like when he has an opportunity to join the locker room? Is he going to be a positive part or does he have some things that we have to be leery of where he may not necessarily be worthy of coming in our locker room and joining our team? And so you're trying to get all those things done. And so the combine gives you an opportunity to conduct some of that stuff, some of that research that you need to uh, as you're putting together a full profile on the prospect. What is your favorite? I don't even know if event is the right word, drill or, or whatever you call each thing that you have to do skill. What, what is your favorite one at the combine to watch? Well, I mean, I think everyone uh, loves the 40 because the 40, mm-hmm. as they, they say, is the dash for the catch. Uh, the guys that run fast certainly attract some attention. And so lo- you love seeing those guys kind of blaze down the turf and put up good times. Uh, it's one of those things that takes you kind of back to your track and field days where everybody loves to see who's the fastest guy, who jumps the highest and those things. But the 40-yard dash is the marquee event. That's why everyone kind of tunes in to watch the combine in Indianapolis. That's also the main event when you get to the HBCU combine. How fast can you run? Yeah, maybe your track and field days, but I did not have any because I am slow as all get out. Last year, <laughs> last year at the combine, though, there were three players that hit under four three. That was a record. Do you think we're going to match that? Get above that? I feel like people are getting more athletic as we go, just with the technology, science, nutrition. Yeah, well, there's more exposure. So one of the best things that has happened in terms of athletes at the combine. When you put the event on TV, guys had an opportunity to pre- prepare for the event. Uh, years and years ago, way back uh, yesteryear, when I had a chance, it was a mystery. You just kind of flew to Indianapolis. You didn't know what you were doing. You shuttled off into this thing. And the first, your first exposure to the event uh, was doing the event. Well, now guys know. And so now you have this boutique industry where you have all these trainers that are prepping guys to run the 40 and do the broad jumps and vertical jumps and all of the drills that are associated with the combine. And so now you're having guys who are ready. They're better prepared. And so because they're better prepared, they're putting up better numbers. I still think it's a baseline. It's still exciting to see these guys run. But at the end of the day, you want to evaluate guys who are great football players. And so you take some of what you learn from them, watching them do all these events at the combine, but you still go back to the tape and try and figure out how good of a football player is he? How does he fit what we do? Uh, Does he have the kind of potential that he is going to continue to uh, grow and develop and be an ascending player or is he a great athlete who may not have the skills that are going to be realized at the next level so that was a roundabout way of saying had you known what you were going into you would have ran a four two right i mean yeah i can i can <laughs> say that you know i just i needed a little i needed a little more prep um i needed some training and some of that stuff but yeah you're right if, if i if i known then what i know now i absolutely would have lit it up <laughs> Who are some of the players you're looking forward to seeing there in Indy? Well, when we talked about it, the conversation is always about the quarterbacks, right? And yeah. so uh, this is an intriguing class of quarterbacks because you don't have the guy that everyone is celebrating as the number one. The conversation is about Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud, 
maybe Will Levis, and then the wild card is Anthony Richardson. And Bryce Young, you have a guy that played in the SEC who absolutely lit it up, but he's small in stature. You're talking about someone that may be measuring right at six foot, weighs 180, 185 pounds, which is really, really small by the prototypical dimensions that you look for. And C.J. Stroud from Ohio State, you have a guy who is the prototype. He walks in, he looks like what a franchise quarterback should look like. He throws the ball, uh, probably the most natural throw of everybody in the class, makes plays and does all these things really well. But at Ohio State, he was limited because he didn't show off his athleticism. So you wonder, what does he have to, to, to what does he bring in terms of an added dimension besides being a thrower? Will Levis is a great athlete. Uh, he had a terrific 2021 season. Last year was a little below the standard. And so you're trying to figure out what is he, which player is going to show up in the National Football League. People made the comparisons to Josh Allen because he's a bit of a gunslinger, a wild card. He has great athleticism, but can he refine it and play like Josh Allen played in Buffalo? And then Anthony Richardson, you just get this freak athlete who has all these physical tools, but they're unrefined. And can you develop him and get him to the level where he can play at a high level? Uh, people will look at Jalen Hurts and look at the steady progress that he made throughout his career with the Eagles and say, well, maybe Anthony Richardson can take a similar path and have similar success. And so this weekend we'll be trying to sort out which of these guys is going to emerge as the front runner to be the first quarterback taken and which one really has franchise potential. So all of the interest will be there, despite it being some other talented players that are also at the event. Sure. Your coverage with the NFL Network starts on Thursday. What can we expect from you while you're there? Oh, well, you know, the one thing that you learned is you can see me talking a lot about these players and I'm going to do a lot of talking because I have some opinions on some of these players. And so I'll do a thing that'll be called uh, Come On Today. So it'll kind of be the preview. I'll give you the appetizers, what's to come. And then all the other coverage that we'll have is on NFL Network, NFL Plus, Daniel Jeremiah, Rich Eisen to take care of the stuff on the network side. We have a collection of hosts that'll be doing things on NFL Plus. So it'll be fun. It's kind of fun to be up here, kind of be around and see what's going on kind of get some of the buzz, some of the gossip, as they will say, and just kind of see how much of that is really real. Because up here, it's what they call lying season. There are a lot mm -hmm. of people that are saying a bunch of different things to kind of put you on a wild goose chase. And so we'll see what's real and what's, uh, what's fake. Yeah, I mean, we've seen a lot of reports out that people are asking for that number one spot, the, the, the draft pick with the Bears. How much movement do you think there's going to be? Uh, I don't think there'd be like, significant movement. I think the, the main thing that you have is the Bears want to get out of it because they have a lot of needs. And so if you can auction off the number one pick, then you should be able to get a big couple of first round picks and then you continue to trade down and do those things. You won't know if someone really wants to move up to get the Bears pick until we see the quarterbacks perform. Normally the movement is associated with the quarterbacks, which is why we've kind of talked about the quarterbacks more than not. If one of these quarterbacks lights up the combine and dazzles behind the scenes in interviews, then the Bears will have more interest in terms of teams wanting to trade up with the number one pick. If these guys fall flat, then the Bears are kind of have to make a hard decision on whether to sit and pick uh, one of maybe the top defensive players, Jalen Carter, uh, inside defender from Georgia, or Will Anderson, pass rusher from Alabama. And so a lot of it depends on the quarterbacks. How the quarterbacks perform will ultimately determine if the Bears are able to arcing off the pick. Awesome stuff. I really appreciate the insight. Final question. Are the Tar Heels going to make it into the NCAA tournament? 
they're already in, you know, this, like you work on the media side, like, look, it, it, the, the, the networks can't get enough of like talking about the Tar Heels being on the bubble because they know it's salacious. It sells. They've won their last three games. They played Duke on Saturday. They win that one. Like the Tar Heels are in. They're ready to go for a run. All this other regular season stuff was just kind of like the beginning, the precursor to what is going to end up being a great run for the Tar Heels. All right. Well, you heard it here first. Former Tar Heel, Bucky Brooks, Carolina is going all the way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, put that in bold print. <laughs> I appreciate the time so much. Enjoy Indy and have a lot of fun out there with all the gossip and, and watching all the players. Boy, I definitely be well into the gossip. I'll let you know what's going on. The NFL Scouting Combine live drills will begin Thursday, March 2nd, with live coverage on NFL Network starting at 2 o'clock Central. It'll start with the defensive linemen and linebackers. On Friday at 2 o'clock Central, they'll have the defensive backs. Saturday, coverage starts at 12 with quarterbacks, wide receivers, and tight ends. Sunday, the coverage rounds out. Again, 12 Central, running backs, and offensive linemen. Now, let's bring in Arthur Boisfontaine, CEO of CEI Imaging, as they're expanding their company from CCI Imaging to CCI Productions and are going to be building a production studio to widen their scope. Arthur has worked with the Saints and Pelicans for a long time, and we're excited about the expansion for his company. Arthur, thank you so much for joining me on our podcast today. It's it's great to talk to you because you have such a good insight into a lot of what fans see all the time when they come to our stadiums and the arena to watch the Pelicans and the Saints play. How are you doing today? Doing great. Good. We've been really busy working on a whole bunch of branding projects and, you know, ready for more. Yeah. Well, tell me a little bit about the signage and, and what you do provide for both the arena and the, the stadium. Yeah. So we, um, pretty much cover everything that you see in the, in the, both the, the Caesar Superdome and the Smoothie King center. So any wall that you see graphic fabric decal, you name it flags, you know, the, the, the heads are signs that people are running, you know, up and down for the fan experience. You know, we handle all that. Okay, so it's the physical signs, the signs that are the digital ones, everything. It's, it's the physical ones, but you know, we're 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 changing in in the way that we've done things, and we're moving um, more into the digital world and and really forward thinking. So we're you know we've we've gone from. We've had a, a name change just recently. We're formerly known as Crystal Clear Imaging, but we felt like that didn't really uh, portray who we are now. Um, you know, we are CCI Productions now, and with an emphasis on on one division called CCI XL Printing, which will would be design, fabrication, and installation, and then CCI Film Studios, which is TV and film production. With the addition of the film studios, are you going to build a production studio? We're we are in the midst of doing a whole bunch of things there, so that's uh that's coming soon. And what type of of work or clientele would you like to draw? You know, we're we're looking into the to the film business. You know, there's two billion dollars worth of films being produced in the next couple of years, and you know, looking at the economy and. The way things are shaking out, you really, um, you know, we hope that we're going to, that everybody's going to be good. 
but we want to make sure that we pivot and stay ahead of the game just in case. So we've we've been really good at the at at pivoting uh, at, in key moments, and um, we just thought that this was a great growth opportunity for us. I do feel like every time I drive around, I see a film production underway. There's so much, whether it's a TV series or movies or stuff done in that capacity here. I think that the culture in general is just really big on the arts. And I think that's it's cool to kind of tap into that a little bit. It is, and it's it's here to stay. The state's done an incredible job um, making sure that the incentives are there. Louisiana Economic Development Group works really hard. GNO Inc., New Orleans and Company. You know all the all the 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 groups that work work hard to make make our city, you know what it is and what it could be. When did your relationship start with the Pelicans and the Saints? So the I tried to get the Saints for for a while, but I was struggling <laughs> with that. And um, during Katrina, they moved to San Antonio to kind of get their feet under them, as we were all doing the same. And it was the city was pretty empty, and uh, we never stopped working. Uh, we were fortunate, you know, we lost our houses and different things like that. But at the same time, our building was was up and. You know, we had power relatively quickly, and um, and when the Saints came back to New Orleans, I was on the doorstep, you know, ready to ready to talk. So uh, we started there, and then we were a big part of the Superdome renovation, mm-hmm. and um, you know, pretty much every sign and graphic needed to come out, and it was a, a daunting task. Um, actually, it was a little scary because <laughs> it was, yeah, we can do it, and then you know, you get into it, and it's it's a, it's, a, it's a monster, and. Um, and but you know we that's where we really um, understood who we were, and who we are, and moving forward who we're going to be, and you know we are a company that just gets things done. It doesn't matter what you need, you tell us what you need, and we figure it out. What have been some of your favorite moments in your relationship with this organization? Um, I've had a a bunch of them. I, I think one one of my favorite was was right around that. Um, that time when we first started, mm-hmm. you know, just, just coming in here and, and, um, you know, they had just drafted Reggie Bush and, um, you know, just being a part of the culture and, and knowing that to getting to know the people. And, you know, we, one of the things that I really pride myself on is one of the biggest accomplishments of my life was, was getting the, the Lakeview playground back up and running and, you know, for 1200 kids across the city who didn't have playgrounds. And um, that was done with the help of, of you know, the New Orleans Saints mm-hmm. and, and the personnel here. And, you know, we did a, a project where, where the NFL um, came in and it was their big commercial that was going nationwide, you know, the United Way uh, campaign and commercial. And it was Drew Brees and Pierre Thomas and all these, these superstars that, you know, of that great, class and um and you know the nfl came in and they fitted every single kid in the city of new orleans um we worked with you know different people Um, we worked with uh even brought a basketball court from peja storyakovich helped us with that and um and it was just a you know we wanted to we we made sure that we let everybody know we're not building walls we're opening doors Mm -hmm. and um and we 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 got all the kids in New Orleans in a position to where they could compete and, and play football and basketball and all the other sports. 
Yeah, and you're doing this rebranding now, which is continuing to open up new doors for you, mm-hmm. other opportunities for people here in the area. Why did you want to s- kind of start something new now? Well, you know, there's a there's a lot of people that know me know know that I'm I love the metaverse, mm-hmm. and um, and there's something that we call digital. It's a physical and digital world, and um, and I felt like you know there's a big opportunity with the film side. But there's also an opportunity now with 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 the way that the world's changing and COVID uh, really excelled that, and um, I feel like you know there's an opportunity to to not only you know work and and add the film and TV production and you know some of the design fabrication installation pieces, but also start to build build CCI productions in the metaverse, which is going to be super exciting. Mm-hmm. And you know they're expecting. By 2030, they're going to have 700 uh, million people in, you know, and this is all coming from McKinsey and company. So the, they're, they're pretty accurate in what they say, but 700 million people are going to be in the space. It's going to be a four to five trillion dollar industry. And we feel like we have an opportunity to really excel. It sounds really exciting. Definitely different than you know, what I do on a daily basis. I definitely deal with real things. <laughs> It'd be cool to see how you continue to develop that. And obviously I want to tour when the studios are all set up. Yeah, it's going to be really cool. What's the next big project you're working on? Uh, we're working on a lot of stuff in the Superdome for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, there's some things that we're working on here at the training facility. Um, and, of course, we're getting ready for February 9th, 2025, which is Super Bowl. And um, I know it seems like it's far away, but it's really not as yeah. far as it's it's kind of right around the corner for us. Um, and But we start to, to prepare in, in advance. And, um, you know, it's all for us, it's all about preparation and integration. So we do all that in advance mm-hmm. and um, really start that planning process. Yeah, that makes sense. Well, I appreciate the time today. Let me know a little bit about the company and how you guys are moving forward. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Thanks to Bucky and Arthur for joining me on the Saints podcast today. Check back in next week as we'll recap any news out of the Combine and look ahead to free agency. Thanks for listening to the New Orleans Saints podcast presented by SeatGeek. Join us three times per week on NewOrleansSaints.com, the Saints mobile app, or you can download the podcast on iTunes. We'll see you next time right here on the New Orleans Saints podcast presented by SeatGeek.